Well, good morning, and it's good to uh, see you all on this, what is a lovely Easter morning. I just want to start with a verse from, uh, two verses actually, from Luke's Gospel. And this is the, the verses. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Shall we pray? Father, we do thank you for the fact that we can gather together this morning and we can rejoice in what has seen as being a very sad time. We've seen that Jesus died. But our Father, we thank you for the joy that we can have in the fact that he rose again the third day. He ascended into heaven. And right now, he's with you. And because of that, we can boldly come into your presence. We can come and we can bring to you our prayers and our praise. We can bring our worship and our thanks. And we can enjoy the fellowship that we can enjoy with each other and with you. As we do it together this morning. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it's good to have you, as I've said. And uh, you'll notice Matthew isn't here this morning. I'm afraid he tested positive for covid um, so we're, both Star and I are, are negative, so we're okay. I've been accused of being negative in a lot of things, actually. <laughs> it is good when you are deemed negative when it relates to COVID. But we're going to stand and sing together. And we're going to sing hymn number 77. And um, this is a great hymn for us to sing. So let's stand and sing number 77, Christ Triumphant. <laughs>
notices uh, for the rest of the week are that on Wednesday, around about half past five, I'll send the Bible study over on WhatsApp, and you can listen to that. And then if you want to meet on Zoom, we meet on Zoom at uh, around about seven o'clock. That's on Wednesday. Next Sunday, we meet here again at 11 o'clock. And also, through the week, there will be the daily talks. They go out around about quarter past half past nine each morning again on WhatsApp. And just to mention also that uh, there will be, after this service, um, tea and coffee. And you're all welcome to stay. Now, in the view that, you know, Matthew has had COVID, we are negative. And feel free if you feel you don't want to stay for tea and coffee. But, you know, we'd love you to stay. And it would be great to have you here and just have a short time of fellowship. We'll have to tea and coffee again in here. But if you do feel a little bit uncertain about mixing, then that's fine. And we'd certainly do that if that's how you feel. Because all through this COVID, we have taken all the precautions and we have been you know, quite okay with it. So uh, we respect everybody's points of view and how people feel. So don't feel bad about it. But it's great to have you here anyway. That's good. Now then, um, we're going to do one or two things. We're going to have a few choruses a little bit later. I'm going to do a reading and then I'm going to ask Enid to come and sing to us. So we've got Enid singing and Stuart is going to play. Now our reading is from um, 1 Corinthians and it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, if you have a, a pew Bible, which is one of these, then it's on page 812, 812. This is a great passage. This is basically the creed, the early creed. This is what the Christian church stands on and has done right from the day that Jesus rose again. So we're going to read just part of this passage from 1 Corinthians 15. Then we're going to just have a little look at it later on. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold fast firmly to the word that I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born, what Paul means there is born out of due time. Uh, he did see Jesus. He saw him in the flesh. He saw him physically. And that was after his resurrection. So he can call himself an apostle. Then he goes on. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by his grace to me, it was not without effect. No. I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me, whether then it was I or they. This is what we preach, and this is what you believe. I want you to grab hold of that. Paul is saying, this is what we preach, not just him, that's the apostles. He'd already been um, and met with the apostles and confirmed that they were both preaching the same gospel. And then he went and took it to the Gentiles and the other apostles took it to the, the Jewish people and also to the Gentiles. And you know, this truth was so true and they believed it so much that most of them gave their lives for the gospel. Now, we'll look at a few things a little bit later, but now I'm going to ask Enid to come and sing to us. And uh, that's great. Do you need this microphone, Enid? Or... <laughs> Well, I'll leave it on, and if you want to stand by it, you can sing along. I'll stand well back. <laughs> yeah. Do you need a bit of platform here? Okay. Put your words there. Thank you. Great.
Stuart as well, and as you drew up, you might notice that just the grass at the front there had been cut, and it was Enid and Stuart who cut it yesterday. So, thank you for that. And we have got arrangements for the back to be cut as well, so don't worry about that. Now, then, it's time for a few choruses. Are you up for it? You're going to have all the youngsters to the front? Yeah, come on.
BBC, right. Now, we've got a little bit in here where we do talk about the Lucianity and the word Amen. So, when we get to Amen, if it's not loud enough, will you snitch on them? <laughs> right, and then we've got to sing it again, okay. So, it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Ask um, Eva and Mikey to come and help me. Will you do that? 
Right, now, you're going to be oxygen, so can you just hold that and let everyone see? Just turn around. Now, you're going to be heat. And I'm going to be fuel. Now, we're going to give these people a health and safety lesson. You see, fire is dangerous. But this is what you need for fire. So what we've got here, we've got that. Right? And Mikey, if you put your one there. What have we got there? Triangle. Right, triangle. Now take any one of these away, you won't have a fire. Take this away, Pete. There's no fire. Put it back. Just hold it there for me, Mikey. Yeah? Take this one away. There's no fire. Right. Take this one away. Either you take yours away. And there's no fire. Did you get that? So you've got to remember that. That's why, because you know when you took hands on fire, you throw a blanket over it to get rid of the oxygen. You don't like a match where there's those other two things that have to start the fire. And when you've got something which is burning, you move it out of the way, don't put the tea towel on the oven. Yeah. So if those three things are removed, there's no fire. If one of those things is removed and the other two remain, there's no fire. Right. Answer that. That's crazy. You can really do it. Now then. What we're going to do is we're just going to put these up here for us. And then if you have your, your Bibles open, the passage that we read together, which was 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is a really great passage actually. And we're not going to obviously go right the way through it, but we are going to look at some of the verses which will be of help to us this morning. You know, it's great to be here on Friday because on, on Friday what we did, we saw the evidence that Jesus died. And because he died, he was buried. And this morning, we're not only going to gather around the empty tomb, but we're going to rejoice in the fact that Jesus is alive. Paul said, for what I received, I passed on to you as the first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. In this letter to the church at Corinth, Paul is encouraging the people there to remember the gospel. Now I know you've heard that word a lot, the gospel, but we're going to just examine it and see what the gospel is. He went on, and I'm going to just go through those first four verses so you can follow through as we read them. Now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. And by this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Grab hold of that. Keep that in mind. It's according to what the prophets had said. So one, the gospel, Paul is saying, it's the one that I preach to you. Secondly, the gospel is the one that you received. And thirdly, the gospel is that which you are standing on. They heard it. They accepted it. And they were living according to it. Why is the gospel so important? Well, Paul is telling us, because by it, we are saved. That's what he said to these people. It is by 
the gospel that we are saved. There's no other way. There's no other way. We can't do it. It's by the gospel. But what is the gospel? Well, you've probably got it by now. One, Christ died for our sins. Two, he was buried. And three, he rose from the dead. His death had a purpose. You know, there's a lot of people whose death has had a purpose. People will die for their country. They will die for their friends. Death is there and sometimes death has a purpose. Well, this death had a purpose. And when Jesus died, he was buried. That's what happens. That's, that's quite natural. Whether, you know, that death has been for a purpose or it's been a waste of a life. Whoever has died is buried. That's the evidence of the fact that they are dead. But he rose from the grave. Now, that's not normal. That is special. And these are the three necessary elements of the gospel. Remember the fire triangle. All three elements need to be there and if they're not there, something's missing. What's missing? Fire. There's no fire. It doesn't matter which one of those elements is missing. There's no fire. That's what we do when we put out the fire. We eliminate at least one of those elements, and in some cases, all three of them. Remember what I said earlier. These things happen, we know that but they happened according to the scriptures. So what did the scriptures say? Well, we're going to have a look at them. So go back to Genesis. We read right through to the New Testament and we won't stop till we get there. I think we're going to be here a while if we do that, aren't we? But you can do that. And the evidence is there right the way through. So we're just going to look at it a little bit. Isaiah 53. It's a great passage, Isaiah 53. It is a, a passage that we do refer to at Easter time. Therefore, I will give him, it's Isaiah 53, verse 12. Speaking about Jesus. This is before he was even born. But he was still there. You see, he was, is, and forever will be. He was in glory with his Father and with the Holy Spirit. And therefore I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. There's a full picture there. He came, he died, he rose again, he went back to heaven and was glorified, took up his rightful place. All in that little tiny passage from Isaiah. So there's so much more. From Genesis right through to the New Testament. And we're told that he died for our sins. Let's go back to Isaiah 53 verse 9. He was assigned a grave. Get that. With the wicked. Who were they? Two criminals died on the cross, didn't they? Died as a criminal. And with the rich in his death. That was a tomb of a rich man. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. He died. He was buried. Psalm 16 verse 10. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You see, even David was prophesying in his psalms about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. He died, he was buried, and he rose from the dead. The tomb was empty. Now let's stop for a moment. You see, this isn't about a story of a missing person. The tomb was empty. He's missing. Where is he? But that's not the story. That's not why we're here. We are here. He died. We know that. We have the evidence. We have medical evidence. When we examine the facts, even that centurion, he knew. And he was buried. We know that. 
and he was buried because he was dead and the tomb is empty doesn't mean he's alive though does it doesn't stop there though you see what happened is Paul went on to present to the people of his day people who were still alive at the time of the death and burial of Jesus and of the resurrection of Jesus and what Paul does he presents them with witnesses to the fact that he rose again people who knew he died who knew he'd been buried but now he's going to give them witnesses people they can go and ask they can go to a little bit like a courtroom isn't it you know where the evidence is presented the evidence of his death the evidence of his burial now the evidence of his resurrection it's all there listen to what he said in that passage in Corinthians Corinthians 15 verse 5 to 8 and he goes on he says and he appeared to Cephas that's Peter and then to the twelve and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep that means some have died but most are still living go and ask them that's what he's saying to them then he appeared to James then to all the apostles and last of all he appeared to me also so he appeared to Paul as well Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus he spoke with him not only that but he introduced these first readers of this letter to the people who I've said were still alive who had seen the resurrected Jesus the tomb was empty but the body wasn't missing get that we celebrate the empty tomb but if that's all we do we've got nothing but we celebrate that Jesus is alive the scriptures said that this would happen the people saw it when it did happen and Paul is going to tell anyone who will listen that it did happen and how it happened and why it happened Paul will speak to those who doubted that it happened you see Paul here is presenting all the evidence like in a court of law and in a court of law they examine the evidence and what they do then is that they from that evidence that they have examined where they looked at things that might be but weren't and Paul is he's, he's not going to put this aside he's going to bring all the evidence Paul is what he's doing he's going to set out to present the facts present them in a logical way and he invites them to examine the evidence as he presents the case for those who doubt that Jesus was alive remember our triangle Resurrection, death, burial. Let's take that away. Because now there's something missing. And what's left doesn't really make a lot of sense. So listen to what Paul says. And this is verse 12 and 19 of 15, chapter 15. But if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say, that there is no resurrection. In other words, we're preaching that Christ has been raised from the dead, so there is resurrection. But let's just for a moment think of the fact that there is no resurrection. He said in verse 13, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. That's just an ordinary death of a man or a woman who was buried. If we've only got those two things there, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. And that's right, isn't it? And there's no completion there. More than that, 
We're then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he didn't rise, raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised. Yeah? Or say, what we're telling you is true. Jesus rose from the dead. If he hadn't, why would we tell you that he did? Paul was a very learned man. Paul was a man who knew the scriptures back to front. He was a Pharisee, that's who he was. And not only that, he set out to persecute Jesus. But then his life was changed and turned around. Why? Because he saw the resurrected Jesus. When the resurrection was there, everything fitted into place. The triangle was complete and it made sense. Jesus rose from the dead. If he hadn't, why would we tell you that he did? If we tell you Jesus is not alive, then what we've been saying to you would have been no, no use to you. You go to a church that doesn't tell you that Jesus rose again, what you get from that is of no use. The faith you have in it is a dead faith. It's a, it's a blind faith. We don't have blind faith. We have a real, true faith in the evidence. And not only that, Paul not only had the head knowledge, he had the heart knowledge. And he saw Jesus as his saviour. He saw himself as a sinful man. And he came to Jesus by the power of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. The following statement from Paul cements the importance and the depth of the need of a risen saviour. Verse 16. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life that we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. What is Paul saying? If we only have the fact that Jesus was a good man, that Jesus did miracles, that Jesus was sent by God, that Jesus could heal the sick and, and, and make the blind see, that he died and he was buried. That's all we've got. We've got nothing. And if we're preaching that and asking people to put their faith in that, in his burial, in his death, alone, then our preaching is futile. What do we need to make it mean sense? The fact that Jesus rose again. We can put that back there, can't we? His resurrection brings not just hope for this life, eternal life. Take the resurrection away, have hope in what Jesus who Jesus is and the miracles that he performed and the things that he says and not accept the fact that he died again, that he, he rose again and he rose for you and me. And the purpose of that was for our sins. I mentioned the many people who will have died for the sake of their country, for the sake of their family, for the sake of others as a rescue mission. And that's great. But that's all of this life. We celebrate that. But Jesus did all that and more. And the big more was that God raised him on the third day. And this is where Paul brings the hope of the resurrection, the hope of eternity, not just this earthly life. Verse 20 through to 23 of this passage, 1 Corinthians 15. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And all say hallelujah to that, can't we? Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, for those who have trusted in him throughout the Old Testament, like David and like others. 
They put their trust in the fact that this would happen, even when they didn't know how or when it would happen, but their trust and faith was through what God was doing. For since death came through one man, that was Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, that is Jesus, the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, that's the truth, isn't it? But do you need any more evidence of that? Hey? As in Adam all die. So in Christ all will be made alive. That is all who believe. Christ's death. J.C. Ryle said this, the great bishop of Liverpool. Christ's death was sufficient for every person. And this is it. But it's only efficient to those who believe and accept. Did you get that? For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive if they accept. And Paul goes on. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, and when he comes, those who belong to him. What we preach is the truth. Our faith in Jesus, his death, burial and resurrection is of great benefit. And when you know that and you take Jesus as your saviour, you can stand firm. That's what Paul was saying at the beginning. You can stand firm on that. That is our foundation. The ground is solid, the victory is won. All dominion, all authorities and powers are in his control. Sin and death defeated. Because Jesus died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. For us, freedom from sin, made alive in Christ, with a future beyond the grave. For those who do not recognize the importance of the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus, they will still be in their sins, standing condemned and lost. This is what Paul's saying in these few verses. <coughs> Come back, he says this in verse 34 of that passage. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. And I say this to your shame. Ignorant of what? That Jesus died, that he was buried. And on the third day he rose again, having paid the price your sins and mine. I'm going to finish. I wrote a poem a while back and you very often quote John 3.16 and that is a great verse to quote and I recommend <coughs> to quote it as often as you feel. But as I read it through one time I thought about it with a little bit more depth. I just want to share this with you. You probably know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You'll know these words. I want you to think about them and listen to this poem as we finish. For God so loved the world. It's easy to love those who love us and be kind to people who care. But those who bully and hate us, to love them, well, it just wouldn't be fair. Jesus knew that it wouldn't be easy. He knows how hard it will be. I love the world and its people. And look what they did to me. But he gave his only begotten son. Will you go to the world that will hate you? To a people I love who are lost? Most will mock you, despise and reject you. Yes, I'll go. And I'll not count the cost. So God sent his son, who was willing, moved by the love that he had, not for himself, for his own sake. He came from a world that was bad. God, whosoever believeth in him. So he came, was despised and rejected, his purpose to save and set free. Blind eyes and deaf ears were opened. And they had him nailed to the tree. Because of his life, he can teach us how to love, how to care and forgive. Because of his death, God can reach us 
If we only believe, we can live. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. When you look at the world that we live in, what questions come into your mind? Why can't we all live together? Why can't we be gentle and kind? We are what we are. It's our nature. How to change? Where do we begin? The salvation God has provided. Trust Jesus for the answers in him. Shall we pray? Father, again, we thank you that we've been able to gather together around your wedding and enjoy fellowship with each other. And we thank you again that you are here in our midst. And our Father, we just praise you this morning that, yes, you died. You died for sinners such as us. You were buried as all dead people are buried. But our Father, we thank you. The tomb was not just an empty tomb. It was an empty tomb because you had risen. And we know that you rose again because we have the eyewitnesses who saw you. We know the evidence of how the gospel has survived through the years when so many have tried to destroy it. And our Father, we know it because there's many here this morning who know it in their hearts because they put their trust in you, going as guilty sinners, seeking your forgiveness through what Jesus did on the cross. And we come to you in his name. Amen. We're going to sing our final hymn, which is 295, I serve a risen saviour. So I think we'll stand and sing, and then, as I said, afterwards, there will be tea and coffee. You are all welcome to stay. And if anybody feel not comfortable with that, don't worry. Uh, but do have friendship and fellowship. 295.
Father, we just thank you again for this time we spent together with you. Father, we pray for those who are listening at home, and we just pray that you will draw close to them as well, that your hand will be upon them, that they will know your presence, and that you will go with them and us during this coming week. We now ask your blessing upon them in the time we will spend together, this short time of fellowship that we're able to have around tea and coffee. And we just, again, would bring these things into your presence, thanking you as we come into the presence of the one who died rose again on the third day and the one who died to save us all. Amen.